I'm back in Paris. I'm in the eighth arrondissement, back in the Parc Monceau, that beautiful park, walking around those streets created in the 1860s and 1870s, streets and hills full of golden stone, streets where families came from all over the Levant, all over Europe, came to become French. And I'm at the top of the hill, the top of the Rue de Monceau, and I start to walk down. And I pass our old family house, 81 Rue de Monceau, and look up at the top apartment where Charles Frissy collected all those extraordinary impressionists, Annette and I give the house a proprietorial pat as I go past. And I keep walking, and as I walk down this street, I'm conscious of all these families, these great cousinships and clanships that have emerged of families, Jewish families from all over Europe who have married and settled in this street. And I reach number 63 and I go through the great gates of the Musée Nissim de Camondo and I cross the courtyard and there is an extraordinary discreet golden house like the Petit Trianon. And I walk across the courtyard and open the doors and start going up a beautiful, great curved staircase. I avoid all the great suite of rooms full of tapestries and bronzes and amazing French furniture and pictures all those great suites of rooms, the libraries, uh, the porcelain rooms. And I keep going up until I find the service stair metal stair going up three more stories up into the attics and the attics are silent these are the old servants rooms the rooms which were kept by the valets where the food was prepared where the furs were kept where the linen was kept i open one cupboard and find extraordinary luggage from the 1920s i open another one and find stacked up 1915 light fittings, and I find an archive. I find ledger on ledger from banks. I find hunting records and wills and memoranda and menus. I find extraordinary letters marked received and sent. I find all the detritus of a whole family and a dynasty. And every single piece of paper that I pick up has a different weight to do it, a different scent to it, a different feeling, a different sense of who it's come from and why it's stored. It's a whole world that's arrived and kept in this lock room high up in this house on the Rue de Monceau. I find a letter from Proust. I find ledgers of acquisitions. I find the minutiae of this particular family. And I find a silence and I start to write. I start to write letters from this silence and I start to write them to the owner of the house, the person who created this house, the Comte Moïse de Camondo. The Camondo family came from Istanbul, from Constantinople, another Jewish dynasty like my own that had come from Odessa. They arrive at exactly the same time, the same month in the Rue de Monceau, and they build a huge pair of houses there, which Balzac and Zola decry as being monstrosities. And Moïse is a good Jewish boy. He marries the right 
girl from the right dynasty, Irene Khan d'Anvers, another dynastic Jewish family. And they have two lovely children, Nisim and Beatrice. And then they separate. She runs off with her riding instructor, a rather raffish man with a monocle. And Moïse. Moïse grows up to become French. He inherits this extraordinary house. And when his parents have died, he pulls it down. He tears it down and he sells off all the extraordinary furnishings and paintings of, of minarets and bazaars that they'd filled their house with. He, sell, he sends all the Judaica, the oratory that they had, they were very pious, off to the Musée de Cluny. He sells off his father's taipins, an exact donation to the Musée des Arts Décoratifs. And this perfect Frenchman starts to collect. He starts to collect all the things that he will bring to life, the life and vigor of the 18th century. He wants to make a small palace in Paris for that particular moment of great conversation and assimilation, that moment when Paris opened citizenship to the Jews, 18, 1791, that moment when Napoleon decrees that Jews are allowed to become citizens of a European country, an extraordinary moment. And then during the first war, Nisim, his only son, Nisim is Hebrew for miracle. Nisim, who's joined up, is killed in a flying accident. He's an aviator. And Proust sends this letter of condolence. And finally, his body is found and the house changes. Moïse is taken over by this idea that he will create a house which will then become a memorial for his son. It's an act of mourning, an act of grief. I still think he thinks that his son will walk across that courtyard, come in through those doors and join him at the dinner table. And while the world of Paris looks at these families, all these families, And there is that roiling, roiling anti-Semitism, the daily caricatures, the descriptions of the Camondos, the Afrissis, the Reinachs, all these families as inauthentic, parvenu, people who don't belong in France, people who are taking our patrimony. He carefully, delicately, lyrically, and in an act of mourning, puts together this house where one object can sit with another and make a kind of poetry, a poetry about the enlightenment, a poetry about that moment when French literature and music and art talked about conversation, about disagreement, about the possibility of a new world, of equality, And he carefully builds this house. And in 1935, he dies and it's willed to France. And in 1936, on a winter's day, Beatrice, his daughter, who's married a lovely composer, Leon Reinach, cousin of my grandmother's, a delicate composer of work inspired by Fauré. And their two young children, one training to be an ebonist, training to make 
furniture in the manner of the 18th century and Fanny, who is a horsewoman like her mother, gather in the courtyard and there is a book, a catalogue of the Musée Nissime de Camondo handed over on that beautiful winter day to France as an act of gratitude in memory of a lost son and to say how grateful they are to France. And on the 11th of June, 1940, Paris is declared an open city. And on the 14th of June, the Wehrmacht walk into Paris unopposed. And on the 16th of July, 1940, Vichy, France, passes its first denaturalization law. And on the 27th of September, 1940, there is the first census of the Jews. And every day, there are new edicts. There are new laws about where you can sit, what you can buy, whether you can own a transistor radio or a bicycle. That you should order your own yellow star by going to the prefecture and with your clothing ration. And there is the roundup of children by French police. And there is the slow attrition of all the Jewish families in Paris and in France. And these Camondo family, my cousins, they write and say, we've given this to France. We're French. We're here. And they write to the people they know, the other members of the Gratin, the people they've hunted with, the people who've come to dinner, and they don't receive replies. And they're taken to Drancy, to that deportation camp on the edges of Paris, guarded by French police. And on the 30th of November, 1943, on Convoy 62, Leon Reinach, Fanny and Beatrice, his two children, are deported to Auschwitz. And on the 7th of March, 1944, Beatrice Camondo, Reinach, Convoy 69, is deported to Auschwitz and they are murdered. And the house, the Musée Nissim de Camondo, a memorial for a lost son, is untouched. It's become a memorial to this whole family. It's become a place of extraordinary silence about belonging, about assimilation, about ownership. Who owns the rights to say that you belong here or don't belong here? All that conversation from Dreyfus, from Drummond, from those daily anti-Semites who say, day by day by day, you are unclean. You don't have the purity to be authentically French, your accent isn't right. You might buy French art, you might ride to hounds, you might write beautiful French music, but you are not French. 
So I write to Moise de Camondo. I write to him here in this room, in the silence of last year, to his silence, unanswered letters. And I write to him about food and dogs and books and about collecting and pleasure and Chardin and Proust and looking after your family and what it is to create a memorial and look forward to something enduring, something that goes on. And he doesn't write back, but I write them. And I write to him about my own family and belonging and my own mixed up, complicated life. I am a quarter Dutch, a quarter Austrian, half English, brought up in the Anglican church. I am a sort of Quaker. I'm a sort of lapsed Jew. I am a Buddhist by inclination. I make pots out of a fragile material. I'm completely European. And so I just write letters out to him and it's become a book. And that's my letters to Camondo. Thank you.